Thanks very much, Graham. Um, it's good to be here. Thanks for your prayers. Um, if you've got a Bible with you and care to turn to the New Testament, we'll read from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We'll read from verse 1 to verse 14. I'm reading from the New International Version. Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Isn't Philippians a wonderful book? It's only four wee chapters and it specialises in joy. You'll find joy or rejoice something like 15 times in these four short chapters of the letter to the Philippians written by Paul. Finally, my brothers, rejoice. Joy is the trademark of the Christian. Joy. Joy is the big picture. We used to go to the cinema, and the olden days they used to have two films on. You got two films for the price of one, and one was called The Big Picture. And then you got the B picture with people like Ronald Reagan in it and stuff like that. And uh, you always said, the big picture. Well, the big picture in Philippians is rejoicing in the Lord. Here's a man. He's in the jail. He's in the iron grip of the Roman Empire, the strongest empire the world had ever seen. Um, and he's teaching us to be joyful. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? 
What has this Bible got to teach us? What has this gospel got to teach us? It's got to teach us that in every circumstance, Christians can be joyful. Um, and if they watch out for the distractions, um, he said, it's no trouble for me to write the same things to you. It is a safeguard for you. And then he says, watch out. Watch out. And he gives us a list of things to watch out for. Um, earlier on in the, in the letter, he'd given us a whole lot of stuff to watch out for. You were in prison. Oh, I'm in prison. He said, don't worry about me. To die for me is gain. It's profitable for me to die. It's doubly profitable. It's profitable for the church because as the great church father Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church and if he died for the cause of Christ he'd be quite happy because people would come to know God when they thought about his life and his death. And it would be good for Paul too because he would no more aches and pains, no more arthritis, sore backs, sore heads and all the things that we have because Christ was going to transform him. Who by the power, Paul says in chapter 3, that enables him to bring everything under his control, he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. One of the reasons for Christian joy is that one day we're going to be transformed. Isn't that wonderful? Transformed. And even if you can't sing just now, you'll be able to sing in the heavenly choir. Absolutely wonderful. Don't worry about false colleagues and wrong motives, he tells us in chapter 1. The great thing is that Christ is preached whether arguing about it or broadly, happily proclaiming it. Don't worry about jealousy, envy and division. Keep joy in your hearts by keeping close to Jesus. That's his, his text. And in chapter 2 he gives a wonderful hymn to joy through the, his reflection on who Jesus was and what he's done for us. Don't worry about separation from me. God works in you wherever you are and wherever I am. Don't worry about these. Don't worry about illness. You send me a brother who got very ill. I'm sending him back to you, he says. He says, eh, I'm sending him back well because God is looking after him and you. So watch out for the distractions and press on. Watch out for the dogs, verses 2 and 3. Watch out for those dogs, he calls them. It's terrible, isn't it? I didn't call them dogs. Now, there were two kinds of dogs in the New Testament period. Uh, there were the pet dogs, the fondlings of the rich, pampered pets. And then there were the scavengers of the streets, um, which still, they still exist all over the world. The pariah dogs. He says, watch out for them. There's people like that. And they were the Jewish false teachers he was talking about here, I think. Um, those dogs, the men who do evil, who mutilate the flesh. All they do is boast about circumcision and being separate from the rest of the Gentiles. And so on. Watch out for them. He said, we are, we are this topsy-turvy teaching here. The false teachers are the dogs, he says. We are the true circumcision because circumcision, he said, isn't a physical thing. Circumcision is, is really at its heart a spiritual relationship with God, as, as the Bible argues elsewhere in the New Testament. And he, he says, We are the true circumcision. He says, how, can I, how do I know that? Well, we have spirit led worship, and we've spirit led worship here this morning. 
We've spirit-led worship, which is a choice rather than a chore. We don't say, oh no, it's Sunday, I'm going to church again. Oh, what a sore head that is. Um, it's not a chore. It's a choice to go and worship uh, in the spirit. And it's Christ-centered joy. We don't find our, our joy in material things. We find our joy in the Lord Jesus. And our spiritual confidence, he says, we no confidence in the flesh. And then that leads them into a third point, to watch out for distractions and dogs, and watch out for disdain, the boasting of the proud person um, in the presence of God. He says, if they boast... I've, I've got more than most of them to boast about. He says, listen to this list. And he gives the boasting stall, I would call it in this section, where there are eight privileges listed by the apostle before his conversion. First of all, there was the advantage of heritage. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day he was a true Jew he wasn't an incomer he wasn't a proselyte he was born and he was circumcised the eighth day Um, the right of circumcision the racial purity of the people of Israel God's special people Uh, although Hilliard Bullock says how odd of God to choose the Jews Um, and And God had chosen them. They were his special people. And renowned patriotism, a Benjamite, he says a Benjamite. And Benjamin of the twelve tribes, Benjamin was the baby. You know how the baby's always a spoiled one? Well, quite often a spoiled one in the family. Little Benjamin. And uh, the first king of Israel, Saul, was a Benjamite. A man of valour and heroism. Um, and linguistic purity, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, probably means the Hebrew-speaking son of Hebrew parents. And a lot of, of Jewish people lost their Hebrew language when they were scattered and went to Egypt to have a new translation of the Old Testament in Greek because their Hebrew was slipping. But he says, I was a Hebrew-speaking son of Hebrew parents. And... Uh, these were the advantages of heritage, the right of circumcision, the racial purity of the sons of Israel, people of Israel, the renowned patriotism of being a Benjamite, um, and there were advent- advantages, the linguistic purity of being a Hebrew of the Hebrews, but there were advantages of effort as well. Commitment of time, um, he says, in regard to the law of Pharisee, and the Pharisees were a separatist group, Probably the nearest organisation, I'll get hung for this and put in the jail, but the nearest organisation to them in modern day life is the Gideons. <laughs> they were a Bible study, Bible thumping group that had a lunch club every day and they swapped notes about how much they'd been learning about what the old rabbis had said about the Old Testament and they specialised in the study of the first five books in the Old Testament and uh, the Torah. And uh, they actually believed that if they could persuade the rest of the Israelites to keep the law for one day, God would send them Messiah. That was a firm belief. Advantages of effort were commitment of time, commitment of energy. He was a persecutor. He hunted down, he hounded the Christians. 
and the followers of the way who followed that, that upstart Jesus who was a northerner you know like a Scot in Britain you know <laughs> north of the, the north circular <laughs> and he and he was a northerner and he was too young to be a leading rabbi he was only about 30, 33 uh, when he died um, and he hadn't been to Jerusalem to study under the top rabbis he was off the wall and these Christians were following this teacher Jesus and he said I've persecuted the church with great energy um, and effort, commitment of time commitment of energy, commitment of heart he was a perfectionist as for legalistic righteousness faultless, you can almost see, it, see him puffing out his chest I was faultless and they believed actually that God spent a few hours a day just boning up in, the, persecu- in the, the Pentateuch, the first five books in the Old Testament, in case he forgot something, you know. And he was like that, earnest. He was above uh, any of his colleagues in their mastery of Judaism. And uh, as to legalistic righteousness, faultless. Watch out for disdain, he said, these folk, they want to boast, I can boast as much as any of them on anything connected with my past. Um, And then he says, watch out for devaluation. (laughs) And in the paragraph beginning from verse 7, we're getting near the end of the bit, you know, we're going to stop it by verse 11, okay? Verse 7, he's like a bookkeeper with a profit and loss account. You know, we had a Sunday school lady from Ireland uh, that ran our finances in the Sunday school and she used to say that uh, she was there to report on uh, our outcome rather than our income. (laughs) And this was the outcome of his life. Whatever was profit to me, I now consider loss. For the sake of Christ. What a wonderful... Garbage and greatness in this section, you know. What was greatness to him before he just devalues it? And he says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The greatest thing in life is to know the Lord Jesus as your saviour and friend, your guide, your master through life. And I've lost all these things. I consider them rubbish. Wonderful Greek word. It's onomatopoeic. Um, to me it sounds like what it means. Skubala. There's a great Greek word for you, isn't it? Skubala. Muck. Rubbish. Trash. Excrement. These are the various shades of meaning of this Greek word. Um, <laughs> I count them but Excrement. Rubbish, scubala, that I may win Christ. What wonderful statements here. You know, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him means even surprised by Him. You know, if He catches me when my guard's down, when He catches me uh, in any situation, He would find me in Christ, trusting in Him in every situation not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law 
but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and by faith. And then he summarizes up beautifully, and I'm going to finish with this. You'll be glad to hear. Um, oh, he says, <laughs> in verse 11, he says, I want, and there's four things he wants. What do you want as a Christian this morning? What do you want as a non-Christian this morning? Well, here you are, here's number one. I want, I want, verse 10, to know Christ. To know Christ. I want to know the person of my Lord. I'm not talking about books. I'm not talking about intellectual appreciation. I'm not talking about things cerebral. I'm talking about things personal. The Lord Jesus Christ. I want to know him. I'll never get tired of knowing more about him. And knowing him personally. As my saviour. He says. I want to know the person of my Lord. I want to know. The power of his life. And the, the power of his life. Is concentrated at the end of his earthly ministry. When he died on the cross for our sins. Because it's not the teaching of Jesus that is at the heart of the gospel. It's the, it's the death of Jesus on the cross for us. And his rising again from the dead. By, raised by the Father to vindicate his Son. And to assure us all that he is Lord and Christ. What a wonderful message we've got. I want to know the person of my Lord. I want to know um, the, 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 the power of his life right through to resurrection. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Paul argues in his letters elsewhere. Where that is the power that is available to, to, rise, to bring Christians from the deadness of their sins to new life in Christ. It's powerful stuff, the power of his life. Thirdly, what does he want? He wants to know the passion of his love. I want to know the fellowship. Koinonia is common sharing. The word behind koinonia is koinonia means common. Common sharing. Mutual sharing. Um, it says, uh, I want to share in his sufferings. The fellowship of sharing and his sufferings. You know, I'm getting tired of this old world, do you not? I mean, think of some of the crimes we see every week. As matter of fact, in the news, it used to be there once a month, once every six months, once a year. And you hear about wee children being jumped on and beaten and humiliated and maltreated. Terrible. And these powers like Putin and folk like that and the, the, the top dog in Syria um, you think all of these folks suffering all the suffering that's in our world and you know the Lord Jesus knows about all this stuff and because he is who he is he feels things more deeply than we do because our, our sensitivities are blunted through our sinful past and we're unable you know the Lord Jesus was in a crowd one day and a woman touched him and he said who touched me he said the disciples oh, look, look, Lord, they're all you know, rubbing against you and all that kind of stuff but he knew the touch of that woman he was sensitive to what she felt the Lord Jesus is sensitive to all the horrible things going on in our world today and quite often 
he gets the blame for it why, God, why doesn't God stop the trouble well you see the whole thing was it was sinful men that started it after their own ends of power and money and, and prestige but Paul says I want, to, I want to enter into the passion of his love that took him to the cross <coughs> to show that God has empathy with us in our great need and sinfulness and then there's a fourth thing he says and so somehow to attain to attain to the resurrection from the dead the fourth thing is the partnership of his loss I want to attain to the resurrection from the dead I want to follow him and, and Paul is saying here I want to share the shape of the Lord Jesus I want to see things and feel things and react to things and respond to things the way he would and be made a partner of this risen Lord in my daily life so that's what you've got to think about this week and in it you can share the shape like the pattern maker does as he makes the pattern that fits into the mould of life and I want to share the shape Paul says of the resurrection from the dead to bring the power of God in the Lord Jesus Christ to bear in the lives of those I influence in my daily life let's pray together Lord we thank you for this wonderful passage about the joy of the Lord and we pray that the joy of the Lord will be our strength this week and we thank you Lord for the Apostles great desire to know Christ and we want to know Christ better show us what it means to belong to Christ to know the, the, the partnership of his loss to know his resurrection power in our lives through the Holy Spirit's presence and to know that the Lord Jesus loved us so much that he went to the uttermost depths for us so help us to live in the strength of that this week we pray for Jesus' sake Amen